You are listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. For more information on RSN, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our student pastor, Gabe Pecoraro. So we are in a series called Better Together. Everybody say Better Together. There we go. And we're talking about relationships, specifically our relationship with our family, our parents, and our relationship with our friends, our siblings and our friends. And last week, we talked about our relationship with our parents. And I hope that you guys were challenged, were convicted about that. I think every single one of us can get better in the way that we interact with our parents. And this week, we're going to start talking about our relationship with our friends. And we're going to do that this week. And we're going to continue to do that next week. I will not be here, but our awesome red bearded friend, Matt will be here. Yeah, there's the enthusiasm. I like it, I like it. So we're gonna talk about friends. We're gonna kick it off and then Matt's gonna continue and finish it off for us. So tonight, I have a question that I would like to answer with you guys. Actually, we'll, we'll call it two questions, but I think they're kind of one and the same. So why does biblical friendship look different than what we see today and Why do we need to make a change, okay? So those are the questions that we're trying to answer tonight through this message. And I hope it challenges you guys. And again, it it makes us wanna do things the right way, okay? So there's this pastor who recently passed away named Tim Keller. He's an awesome pastor. He's wrote some incredible books. He went to be with the Lord recently. And somebody asked him about millennials. And they asked him, well, what do you think millennials So people a few years older than you, what do you think they're doing really well and what do you think they're doing really bad at, they can get better at? And when when asked that, he said, well, I think that they actually are doing really good at understanding the importance of relationships. And they're like, okay, what do you mean? Like understanding the importance of friendships, of connection with each other. And they're like, okay, and what do you think they're doing really bad at? He was like, I think they understand that, but they're not, doing that the he said the thing that they were doing really bad at is just the exact opposite of the thing that they were doing really good at because what we see is we're in a generation we're in an age where everybody is super super connected right we've got facebook we've got instagram we've got snapchat you say gabe i don't have any of those things well more than likely you play fortnite with your friends online or you play rocket league with your friends online or you play roblox or whatever it may be right and so we are more connected than ever yet we find ourselves in a spot where we're more alone than ever And this is what Tim Keller was getting at. And I think this is not only true for millennials, people who are a few years older than you, but it's also true for us in the room. And I think it's gonna be true for the coming generations. As we get more connected through smartphones and video games and smart cars and all the things, we're probably gonna begin to see that we get further and further separated with intimate face-to-face relationships. And so, That was something that I thought was very insightful. And what we're gonna talk about tonight is why biblical friendship is a little bit different than maybe the friendships that you see in the day-to-day that you walk, okay? So, friendship is, the first point for tonight is that friendship is biblical. And we're gonna start it, the beginning, the beginning, the beginning, all eternity beginning, 
we see that there is a thing, a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This trinity of persons of God, okay? We see God exists outside of time. God is in all time. He is the author of everything, right? And we know that God is love, right? And then you ask yourself, how can God be love if he didn't have someone to love for all time? And then you begin to think, well, there's three persons in the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. And we see that for all time, God has been in this relationship of love between these three distinct persons where they can celebrate one another and praise one another and they can love one another. We see that relationship is ingrained throughout all time. And then when we look at the very, very beginning of scripture in Genesis, beginning in chapter one, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and it was good and then God created man, he created humans and they were very good, right? And we know that Genesis 1:27 says that we were created in God's image. And if we're created in God's image and God has constantly been in this relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that means that we also have relationship ingrained in us. And what happens? You see, in Genesis chapter two, we see that creation is good, we see that man is very good, but there's something that's not good, and it's that man is alone. Adam didn't have Eve. There wasn't a relationship with another person. And so God creates Eve, right? we see that he creates woman, bone from Adam's bone, flesh from his flesh. And that's good. And what happens? Through their celebrating being together, through their union as man and woman, a family is created, right? But before we hear about this family being created, we see Genesis chapter three. And in Genesis chapter three, God had told Adam and Eve, not to do one thing. Do you guys know what that one thing they weren't supposed to do in the garden was? Eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And they did that. And because of that, sin entered into the world. And what does sin do? Sin separates. So this relationship where Adam and Eve could walk with God in the garden of Eden, they no longer could do that. It separated Adam and Eve from God. And also by doing that, this separation was not just between God and man vertically, it was between man and man horizontally because sin separates and breaks everything and it tears up relationships. And what do we hear about after that? Adam and Eve have two sons, right? They have Cain and they have Abel. And what happens? Their older son, Cain, murders their younger son, Abel. And we see that sin breaks relationships off with people. And then we see further on that seven generations later, there's this man named Lamech. And what do we know about Lamech? We know that Lamech exploited women and he murdered young men. And that sin broke relationships, okay? And so we are made for relationships, but sin breaks relationships. And so there's always this rebellion going on in us, this rebellion that I am made to be in relationship, in close friendship with people, 
but sin is gonna separate that. I'm sure you've seen that in your own life. You love your friends, but really it's, a lot of times it's easy to backstab your friends or it's easy to talk behind your friend's back, right? You love your friends, but if you can get a one up on your friend, it's easy to do that, right? You love your friends, but if you and your friend are about to get in trouble and you can make it look like it was just their fault, what are you gonna do? Make it look like it was just their fault. That's oftentimes our default settings as people. We always wanna serve ourselves and break relationships. And that's what sin does. So we're made for friendship, okay? And then what do we see? We see that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again, right? For you and I's sin. And what did Jesus do? When he did that, he bought back us. He gave us the opportunity to be in this relationship with God again, right? But also, he gave us the opportunity to be in a relationship with the family of God. Raise your hand if you've asked Jesus into your heart before. You believe with your mouth, or, or confess with your mouth, believed in your heart, right? Awesome. Every single one of us in this room is a part of the family of God. Meaning every single one of us in this room are united by something that is not circumstantial meaning that if you're having a good day or you're having a bad day, meaning if you're having to start school tomorrow or you're in summer break, meaning if you made the team or you didn't make the team, all of those things, they don't matter because Jesus is bigger than all that. And so when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he gave us the opportunity to be restored in relationship back with God, but also with people. And so friendship is this thing that is biblical and it's intertwined throughout all of the Bible and it's so important. So remember that. Friendship is not some idea that was coined by the Greeks or coined when Snapchat started or coined when you became Facebook friends with somebody. No, it's been here for a long time and there's a right way to do it, okay? So friendship is first biblical. The next thing that we need to see is that friendship is focused, all right? Everybody say focus, focus. So there's this quote that I think probably many of you guys have heard me say, or maybe heard somebody else say, maybe you've heard Matt say, but it says, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, do it with others. So, it's hard to deny if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. The most influential man to ever live was Jesus, right? The most influential man. Why do you say that? He's more influential than Caesar, more influential than uh, Augustine, more influential than Alexander the Great, more influential than Pharaoh, whoever, more influential than Ramses, whatever, right? All these great figures in history, there's not a more influential person. Because here's the thing, we're in 2023, 2,000 years later, we are talking about Jesus. And there is at least a billion people on this planet who say that they are Christians, they believe in Jesus. So there's never been a more influential person to ever live. Why do I bring that up? Because Jesus chose to make his plan happen. He used these 12 ragtag group of misfit disciples to make it happen. What did he say? He said, go into all the nations and teach the gospel. 
And so Jesus started in the Middle East and now we are in the USA and the gospel made it here. And how did he do it? He did it with friends. And 2,000 years later, it's still happening. You see, Jesus could have tried to, he could have done it on his own and went really, really fast. But no, what he chose to do was to have a farness, a longevity because he did it with people. If you want to do things fast, do it by yourself. If you wanna go far, do it with other people. And there's a scripture passage that shows this awesome, awesome friendship in the early church that we're gonna look at tonight. It's in Acts chapter two, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They had sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what's so cool about this passage? Well, first it gives us a glimpse into the church the people who believed in Jesus right after Jesus ascended into heaven, all right? So there was not a billion people yet who were following Jesus. There was about 3,000 and some odd people, 120, if we say that this is the day of Pentecost, right? All right, so there's not a lot of people, and what do we see? We see this awesome picture where literally nobody had any needs because everybody cared for the other person. If, if Dante needed something, he came to Tom and was like, Tom, bro, can you help me out? I need some lunch money. And Tom's like, yeah, I got you, man. And then next thing you know, Olivia's like, hey, uh, I need some money too. Victoria, you got me? And Victoria's like, I got you. And then somebody else was like, oh, hey, Nathan, uh, I hear that you're good at building houses. Can you help me build this house? And Nathan's like, man, I got nothing but time. I'll help you out, bro. What happened? These people came to one another and worked together. They weren't constantly in rivalry and button heads trying to one-up each other. And how were they focused? Well, it says that they devoted time to the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? The apostles are these disciples who followed Jesus. They knew Jesus and they were talking to the people about what happened. To the breaking of bread, meaning communion, which is the thing that we take as believers where it is Jesus's body is represented by the bread and Jesus's blood that was spilled out for us is represented by the wine. Into fellowship, into prayer. So they were focused on the cross because as we just talked about, circumstances are always changing. You may be friends with somebody because you're on the same team or because you go to the same school or because you have the same sixth period together. And then the next year, you don't have sixth period together anymore and so you're not friends with them. But what these people were friends about was not that their sixth period was the same, but that their God who never changes died and rose again for them and they celebrated that together. What I'm trying to tell you is if you wanna go far with people, if you wanna have consistency in your friends and not feel like your friend group is constantly changing, you need to be united around Jesus and not the, your favorite sports team or not your sixth period or not you know, that you're on the same team or whatever. All of those things are great, 
but the greatest thing that we can ever celebrate is Jesus dying and rising again for us. So be united in that. And again, what was the outcome of this early church doing this? Well, there was awe and there was miracles in the community. If you read the book of Acts, you see constant miracles of what people are doing, of the way that God's power is working through people. There is, I'm gonna bring this up, there is a language um, that is spoken in Hawaii called pidgin, okay? And so there, and sometimes it's in like certain movies, um, it's like Lilo and Stitch, and it's like a vernacular of English. <clears throat> so think about how like people from like Pickens or Lawrence talk a certain way, and then people from like Ohio talk a different way. We're both speaking English, but we're not saying the same thing. You know what I'm saying, right? Um, and this pidgin is a certain dialect of the English language. Well, the book of Acts in the pidgin Bible is literally called Jesus Show. And that's what it is. Jesus is showing out. Like miracles are happening, people are being healed, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking. It is crazy. So this community of people living together and doing relationships the right way are seeing these things. There's not a need in the community. They're feeding one another. They're caring for one another. They're loving their time together. So it's a big deal when you do things the right way. It's a huge deal. And one thing that I was kind of thinking about throughout this week was Jesus, we talked about the cross, right? And we talked about how when he died and he rose again, he purchased back this relationship that we have with God, right? We can believe in our heart, we can confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we'll be saved and we know that we're going to heaven and we know we get the Holy Spirit and all these things, right? But also Jesus purchased back our relationship with the family of God. And one of the greatest ways that we can honor what he did is to actually value relationships with other people. You see, you need to value the fact that you can go and you can sit down with somebody who believes the same thing as you and you can share with them what's going on, something that's really hard and that you guys can pray together, that you guys can encourage one another, that you can walk through hard things together. That's so, so, so important. So if your friends are constantly backstabbing you or you're constantly trying to one-up each other or you're constantly doing things behind each other's back and gossiping, then you probably don't have biblical friends in your life. You probably don't have good friends. So look for people that you can unite around Jesus with. That's what's so important. And the last thing that biblical friendship is, is sacrificial, okay? So we talked about this. We live in a digital age, right? How many of you guys have Instagram? How many of you guys have Snapchat? How many of you guys play video games? How many of you guys have a cell phone? How many of you guys have an iPad or an iPhone or whatever that's not a cell phone that you would say, but when you're connected to Wi-Fi, it is a cell phone? So like 95% of us in this room, and here's the other thing, the other 5% at some point are gonna get connected somehow. We live in a digital age. You can instantly talk to somebody whenever. My brother was in Africa last week and we were able to talk instantaneously. We literally did a group FaceTime call and he was in Africa. That's how connected we are, right? But this is what I want you guys to understand. You might be friends with everybody, 
but you probably never truly know anybody. Because, oh, this person likes my Instagram pictures, we're cool. Or I'm friends with this person on Facebook, we're cool. Oh yeah, we texted a couple of times, but I don't know anything about them. I can't tell you what they enjoy. I can't tell you what they like. I can't tell you what movies they've ever seen. You don't know anybody. And that comes through these face-to-face interactions of sitting down with one another and spending time with one another. A sociologist named Sherry Turkle said this, digital connections may offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Because to be friends with somebody, sometimes you gotta put their preferences first. Sometimes you might wanna do something and they wanna do something else and because you did your thing last time, we're gonna do their thing this time. Sometimes you gotta decide on a movie when you're spending time with somebody. If you're with a group of friends and you wanna watch uh, Chicken Little and they wanna watch Shrek and everybody else in the friend group wants to watch Shrek, you gotta put your preference to watch Chicken Little to the side and watch Shrek with everybody else. That's a really kiddie example, but it's what you have to do. So friendships are sacrificial. And this is a demand of friendship and it comes from Jesus. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So in this little passage, it's in John 15, the disciples are with Jesus and they're having their last little meal before Jesus goes to the cross. This is the last supper. This is the weird picture that you see with everybody and the disciples strangely are all on the only one side of the table. It's just, a, it's just funky, right? Anyways, they're having this meal and instead of Jesus giving the disciples like last minute instructions on like how to go out and evangelize the world or whatever, no, love one another and lay down your life for one another. That's what you need to do. That's what Jesus tells the disciples. And later on, you see in a few chapters later in the book of John, every single one of the disciples turns their back on Jesus, every single one. Jesus dies on the cross alone and the disciples turn their back. And Jesus stayed consistent. You see, Jesus literally laid down his life for his friends. Later on in that chapter, he says, I no longer call you servants, but you are friends. You see, Jesus chooses to be the disciples' friends. He chooses to give everything that he has, give every single beat of his heart, give every single drop of his blood, every single ounce of his energy for us. He says, greater love has no one than this. He demonstrates that. And so the best way that we can be friends is to lay down our life, lay down our preferences for other people. What does that mean? That means that, here's the thing. I think a lot of us have friends and a lot of us have had friends that see us do something embarrassing or see us go through a hard time and maybe we're going through a hard time and we just blow up because we're losing it or something weird happens and we don't know what to do and we make the wrong decision. I'm sure there's many friends who have seen that happen in your life. The best friends are the ones who after that is over, they don't hold it over your head to blackmail you with. 
You see, every single one of the disciples abandoned Jesus. And when Jesus came back and showed his disciples that his hands had been pierced and he showed them the marks of crucifixion, he didn't go to them and be like, hey, John, where were you, bro? You abandoned me. I ain't got time for you. I'm going over here because at least Judas had the, the wherewithal to like just be like, bro, I'm, I'm real bad. I'm real, real bad. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus came. He showed his disciples what had happened. And that was it. He continued to be there for them. He continued to teach and instruct until he ascended. You see, friends, they're sacrificial. It's not a barter system. You scratch my back so I can scratch yours. It's not like politicians. They sacrifice of themselves. And so again, if you have friends that are constantly backstabbing you or constantly blackmailing you or constantly holding things over your head so they can get you to do what you want or what they want, that's not biblical friends. Ellie and I had somebody who the other day decided that they were gonna cut our grass. And typically I cut my grass at least once a week, if not more than that. And this person, it had been a crazy, crazy, crazy week. And I didn't get to cut my grass that week. And our grass was getting a little out of hand. And on a, it was last Wednesday night, or two Wednesday nights ago. I got home. I was planning on cutting my grass on Thursday and I get out of my car and all of our grass is cut. And Ellie and I do not have a small lawn. All our grass was cut, the backyard was cut, they trimmed some of the forest that's in our backyard. And I have, I have a strong, like, I, I have a strong inkling of who did it. But this person has not told me that they did it. They didn't ask for any money in return for cutting my lawn. And they haven't treated me any different since then because our lawn was out of control. What am I saying? Friends have each other's backs and friends don't treat each other differently when they catch you. When you need a trust fall and your friend's there for you, the next day they don't say, hey, remember how I was there for your trust fall? You need me to tell everybody that this happened? That's not true friends. And so my challenge to you guys, the wrap up is that we're created for relationships. We're created for relationships vertically with God and we're created with, for relationships horizontally with people. And friendship is focused. We're united around the common bond of Jesus and what he did for us because that is gonna be greater than any circumstance. And friendship is sacrificial. In the same way that Jesus laid down his life till his last breath for you and I, we need to do our best to lay down our preferences to serve our friends. And if you are with friends and you are constantly serving one another, you are gonna be in the best relationship that you get. You're, you're not gonna know what to do with yourself because there's gonna be joy. There's gonna be peace. You're not gonna constantly have something that you're fighting about. You're gonna have the strength and the courage that if there is something, you're gonna recognize because I love this person and I care about this person, I'm gonna bring it up. So friendship is important and friendship is something that has to be done well to see the benefits of it, okay? Next week, Matt's gonna be talking about what does it practically look like to pick a friend? 
We know that friendship is important, but what do we need to do to figure out who those friends are? What character traits or how do they act? What, how do I do that, right? So he's gonna be talking about that. But I hope you guys understand we have to do it the right way. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Student Ministry Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at the renovation.church.